Hello everyone, this is your friend Naishat Gadani showing up on again on your LinkedIn screen or your or <laughs> on your computer screen if that's what you prefer. And I'm the co-founder of Career Care Package. It's a show that me and Caroline have been running for over four months. Today is 102nd episode of this uh, really insightful show that uh, me and Caroline have created. And uh, in every every day of the week, we try to bring a new person, new expert, a new guest, and ultimately new insight into something that affects all your jobs, careers, and employment. So that's what we intend to do, and that is what this the show is all about. But the show wouldn't be complete without your support. Uh, that means the listeners or the watchers uh, you know your your contribution is immense to us so now if you are looking for any specific topic if you think that we should talk about a particular topic or if you got a guest in mind uh, you know obviously we can't reach out to barack obama i don't know whether he'll be free or not but apart <laughs> from that, if you got, <laughs> if you got any guest that you think that we should reach out and if you can introduce us to them we would definitely love to have a chat and understand what value that they can bring to to our tribe to your you know to mm. this beautiful community that we are creating so that's what it is all about now today we are speaking with karen williams now just to you know just before anybody else throws that punchline so this is not the karen that goes around round and down on the internet <laughs> you know you know karen or andrew so she is not one of them so please don't direct any of your comments uh, around it uh, but karen and karen williams and i share a couple of things common one is we shared a co-working space together although we never met at the co-working space oh. but i knew but i knew <laughs> works over there and i knew uh that we've been part of linkedin uh you know network for a long time and secondly we did uh we all of us have done landmark educations curriculum Ooh. of leaving uh, many many years back and so these are the two things that kind of you know connects us but Karen has been, you know, an absolute fascinating leader and speaker around, you know, communication around helping, you know, leaders, you know, build trust and communicate, you know, with high impact to the, to their team and to the world outside. So today we are absolutely fortunate to have Karen on this show and, you know, pick her insights onto this issue of building tribe, this issue of languaging emotions. So before we introduce Karen, let's welcome Caroline Brown, the co-founder of the show. Thanks, Nish. I don't know if I can beat that, really. Um, <laughs> funny day, Melbourne. Um, just one other thing. We have a YouTube channel, which I've been uh, beavering away at trying to get um, up and running. Mm -hmm. So if you watch YouTube, hi. And um, please feel free to comment on that. Please give us a a like and a subscribe, I think is what I meant to ask for. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, good work. Yeah. Fantastic to have you today, Karen. Um, Thank I guess, you. you know, and I have been um, really talking about how people really struggle to describe how they feel a lot of the time, and that does get in the way of, I guess, communicating and building a network of support that you need around you when you're looking for a job. So. I saw yeah. on your LinkedIn profile, and one of the things Nisha mentioned that you also worked um, in restorative justice, yeah. where you bring, um, I guess, 
victims and pe perpetrators together in very, what I would imagine, very difficult conversations. So we thought you'd be perfect to come on together. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And Nation, Carolyn, thank you so much for the beautiful, warm welcome. And I, lo I love that we've got some things in common already. And I want to congratulate you both on this amazing podcast and your tenacity and consistency in adversity to continue. So well done and on all of the guests that you've had and celebrating your success with you. So thanks for having thank me. You. Yeah, it's been a bit of a ride. It's been fantastic, actually. It's been kind of like the beacon for Nation I as well in, in this. So. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether a good place to start would be to give people a background about, you know, the kind of work that you do um, at the moment and, and I guess how you came to be doing it would be really interesting. Yeah, thank you. So my work sits at the intersection or cross-section of four key methodologies that I've studied over the last 20 years and also worked in and coached. So it's um, a combination of myself being my own guinea pig as well as coaching over that period. And now I work specifically with um, executive leaders and senior leaders in business and I work one-on-one -on -one with them mainly to start with and then once I've worked with them in their emotional intelligence, how to lead and communicate and connect, how to build trust, um, then what naturally happens is that they ask us to move into working with their organisations, you know, across the organisation with their teams so that they start to build a common language of communication so that they can cut through what might be um, white noise, let's say, and have some really honest, vulnerable and real conversations for um, what's actually happening for them in the moment, but also holding each other accountable in ways that connect and build trust. Because what I know about human beings is that we all want to do well. We all want to grow and expand and take on more responsibility, but we don't always know how to do that and we don't always feel safe to do that. So when leaders learn the skills of how to engage their people, invite them into a conversation for accountability, which is are really nuanced skills um, and involve a lot of depth in emotional intelligence, that's when leaders start to experience um, developing their people in ways where there's um, more results for less effort and that mm. becomes very attractive um, to leaders in business and then that's mm. when we um, work across the business with their teams. Yeah, fantastic. So mm. what do you think um, at this particular time have you noticed anything that um, people really struggle with sort of like communication and opening up wise? Do you think there's any anything particular to COVID-19 or, or times that we find ourselves in? Yeah, there's a lot of emotion at the moment, isn't there? And we're all, depending on where we are in the world and where we are in Australia, then we've all got our own journey. And I think it's really important that we respect each other's journey through this period because I think everyone's doing the best that they can um, with what they have available to them in the moment, whether that's a mindset or a feeling or um, whether that's practical resources. And so my experience has been I think in the first, let's call it the first wave, um, there was a, an element of survival, like soldiering on, let's get through this, we can do this. And mm. typical um, of our country as well, like digging in and getting through it. And But, but that sort of survival state and let's say high ten tension or some stress state there, that got us through the first wave. But what's happening now, What in my experience, what I'm seeing is that that state isn't sustainable. So that state mm -hmm. of survival where we're tense and just sort of pushing through to the end when we can see an end in sight, 
that's not sustainable right now when I'm experiencing in my conversations a lot of leaders and people who are exhausted and mm. because there's no clarity about where the end game is or um, and le high performance leaders who are used to working really strong and hard and, and seeing that outcome or seeing that vision ahead of them that's not as clear at the moment and mm. people are looking to them for that clarity and so they're carrying a lot and that can be really um, exhausting, challenging, confusing. And so there's also, I'm seeing a lot of frustration, dis even despair and anger, and not really knowing what to do with this emotion. Like there's real um, heavy feeling or big feeling of emotion and not really know knowing how to process it. And it, I guess it goes back to the fact that as human beings, we don't learn from an early age how to process our emotions very well. And then when we come into a crisis or a situation like this, processing our emotions isn't something that we're familiar with. And mm. so we, we tend to push them down and then they'll mm. explode somewhere later on, <laughs> often at a disproportionate time in an inappropriate way. Where did that um, come from? <laughs> exactly. Or, yeah. or we'll, or we'll internalise and then we tend to numb them because it, it feels just too much. So mm. neither way is really healthy but I have a lot of compassion for all of us who, where we haven't had that experience of how to do that work. Mm. Mm. It's so tough, isn't it? I think, oh, sorry, Ness, you look like you're about to say something. Or, no, yeah. no, go ahead. No, because no, go ahead. we, I mean, I guess we get really scared of our emotions a lot of the time because, you know, like you say, we do press them down and then they do bubble up or explode yeah. up or um, that type of thing. How, yeah. One of the things I think I really struggle with and I don't know people really struggle with is actually you, you say, oh, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling depressed, but it doesn't mean like these are to me, these are just labels. They're not really they're kind of like the summary point that they don't really help people connect with oh. you, what you're feeling. How do you coach people on being able to express those in a, a way that, you know, forms that better connection with people? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Carolyn, because I was scared of my emotions um, mm. before I really did the work around that. And that was probably eight years or so ago. Um, so I'd been a coach for a long time, but still hadn't done the work around, um, you know, integrating my emotions in a healthy way. So mm. I would still, you know, projecting was something that I was still doing um or, or just digging in and being determined and getting on with it like i was explaining before so i've had the experience myself of not knowing how to do that and then learning through trial and error how to do that um mm. and so i think one of the things to be for us to be aware of is that there isn't just one there isn't a binary option here it's like not showing our emotions or showing them and then just sort of sharing everything and blurting them out when they, mm. that might not give people clarity about how to support us. There is an in-between or a third option, which is taking the time to feel our emotions first mm. and becoming a bit more intimate with our own emotions, understanding them. What is, as you say, what is it that I'm really feeling? What is mm. under the what is under the guilt? What is under the fear? What what's actually going on for me? And mm. then understanding what is it I need in this moment. Um, from potentially someone around me who might or might not be able to meet that request, but mm. at least I can seek that support and not hold them sort of um, responsible for making me feel better. So mm. there's some elements in there that 
if we can be aware of them, then we can express our emotions in a healthy way. So, mm. you know, dealing with that first ourselves, so that could be journaling or going for a walk and giving ourselves space to feel them. And then going, okay, what would really help me in this moment right now? And then mm. seeking that support from people we trust and mm. letting, that, letting that be an invitation to them so that they can say yes or no equally. And we don't take it personally. And we can actually seek the person and find that person who maybe can give us some support in that moment. That's fantastic. Because I think, uh, you know, in the context of jobs and career, you know, Karen's been absolute yeah. horrific time, and especially if you're in Victoria, you know, you know, looking for work, you know, at least for next four to six weeks, it's going to be challenging on even yeah. further than that because certain industries won't open up. Um, you know, so I think the the apart from the the health, you know, challenges that people are facing, um, you know, but the employment and the jobs are probably that very right, uh, you know, at the center of people's focus, including small businesses who might be absolutely feeling, you know, the pressure and the heat right now. If you look mm. at the job seekers for a moment and, you know, in this time, one of the things that we all know, you know, the data also says that, you know, it's the, it's, it's your ability to find a network and it's your ability to reach out to people you know, mm -hmm. will give you that next role. You know, as we all know, that most of the deals in Australia can be done in a pub or over a golf course or, mm. you know, having a coffee, right? They, they, that's where it is. It really happens. Yeah. And job seekers kind of find themselves in a very beat of, you know, you know, a rock and a hard place where you can't express the emotions. If I express the emotion, the other person will run away saying, oh, no, I don't want to associate myself yes. because I've got my own crap to deal with. I don't want to do it. <laughs> yes. right? yeah. But, yeah. but if, I, if, I, if I can't really put a little bit of urgency, then the other person will say, ah, you know, Nation is okay. He's fine. So I think they find themselves in this, you know, this you know, peculiar place. If you want to give us an idea of, you know, that how one should go about and talk about their that they are they've lost jobs or you know they've they have been made redundant or they don't know the end of the end of this road right what are yeah. some of your thinking around how should people approach their situation like that yeah and when you say approach that situation do you mean approach it with the next potential employer yeah that's right next potential yeah. employer or to, could be a network because you know a lot of people have got vast networks on linkedin and personal networks right yeah and they won't really explain uh this situation to them right but there are they have to deal with as you rightly pointed you know how do they deal with their own emotions of of yeah. maybe i'm in mean, deep deep crap right now i don't know how to explain that to, to yeah. this person so what are your thoughts on that i think we all appreciate when someone's willing to be vulnerable i think that um you know brene brown says this beautifully that it's vulnerability is the first thing that i want to see in you but the last thing i want to show you in me so it takes a lot of courage to be able to be open and say i don't have it handled i think there's also that distinction that vulnerability is not oversharing, and so mm -hmm. It's important um, that we have those people around us where we can feel safe and, you know, just not worry about what we're saying or how emotional we might be and not think that it's going to either come back and bite us or um, mean that we might not be considered for a role. So I think there's real discern discernment 
needed and required here. And that's something, that word discernment for me is a really important word because it's something I learned along my emotional journey as well, that when I started to understand that this powerful world of emotions could actually be something really healthy. And because, you know, for feeling for a very long time, being labelled too emotional as a woman or too much or, you know, quieten down or tone it down, um, that can have us sort of pull pull that world right back. But um, navigating emotions in a healthy way is is vital to being able to say to a potential employer, you know, this is how I'm feeling right now. This is what's actually happened. Um, I do um, feel concerned or uncertain. However, this is how I'm feeling about this role and this is what I could offer you in this role. So it's, it's having done our processing work, I don't really believe in processing our emotions. Um, I wouldn't process my emotions with my clients, for example. Mm-hmm. I w- and if I was seeking a, a job or seeking to uh, work with somebody, I don't think it's responsible or um, fair to that person that I'm processing my emotions with them because that's not serving the relationship at the time. That's not the relationship that's in existence with that person. So it it would depend if the employer was a trusted friend, well, then that would be a different story. So I think it's being discerning about who we share with and who we trust into that space uh, around us. So our support network that, you know, the circles of influence or the circles that we have around us of support, you know, we get to choose who gets to come into our inner circle. We get to choose what we share with who. And so when we're seeking a job, then any employer right now is going to be looking for someone who's willing to be real, but also um, is very clear about what they've got to offer. And we, everybody has something of value to offer, skills and talents and experience and gifts. And so it's just having that clarity to understand um, where that healthy state is when you're meeting with a potential employer. Does that help? Is that? Absolutely. It's, um... well, it does, it does. It, you know, I, I, think, I think that's what a lot of, lot of, you know, including us also, I don't think so that we are, you know, immune to those kind of things. Mm. You, know? you know, it could be for me and Caroline, it could be gaining new business. It's it's same same thing that that we will have to deal with. You know, if I'm calling someone, someone's asked me for a proposal, and if I'm calling them, you know, so there's one thing inside me saying, "Oh God, I, I don't want to miss this, right? I I yes. really want to get this, right?" And whether I'm allowing myself, my emotions to overpower me, yes. right? And I I think that is that is incredibly important. And my my view, Karen, would be that it it. At one level, it requires practice. At totally agreed. Yes, for you to be you to be able to you to be able to trial and error that you know sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't because in order for how would you know that that is not going to work right? A lot of so you know, a lot of people say that. A lot of people tell me, "Oh, Nishan, I can't I can't call them." I said, "Why?" I said, "But how can I?" I said, "Oh, just because you haven't done that before." Yes. That's why you're saying you can't do that. But there is actually no rule book that says that you can't do that. So I think yeah. you know, I'm, I'm taking it from, from that view. But the insights are absolutely great. KB, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I was just sort of wanting to go back to what you were saying before, just a, a little bit about Brene Brown and who you choose to share with and where it's appropriate and that type of thing. I think she said something really wonderful around, you know, you've got your core group of people where, you know, you're lucky that there's no limited judgment, you know, you can trust, they, that they can trust that space with you. 
and then everybody else is you know you kind of are a little bit more guarded with or as appropriate with and that kind of um you know I've, I've got some wonderful friends that i'm pretty close to and pretty open with around how i'm really feeling and it, it, it's that kind of mutual we can express it and now yeah. i find that sets me up for other difficult conversations or just gives me a perspective about oh i'm running my own you know story about this thing yes <laughs> <laughs> we've all got um, those stories yep. yeah we have but i i it does allow it, that kind of you're speaking about that processing and that you know that space and that processing um yeah gives you that kind of um you know settles it down and gives you that kind of perspective i think as well so and, and um, permission i agree Carolyn, and permission giving ourselves permission to feel and to not be okay like you were sh saying before nash the yeah. only the only way we get to a place where we feel comfortable making that call is because there's been so many times we've made it that we haven't felt comfortable and there's been so many times we've failed or not or, or shared too much. The only way that we can be comfortable our, with our emotions is because we've felt what it's like to be uncomfortable. So the mm. contrast is essential and there is no shortcut. What I've discovered mm. for myself is there is no shortcut. And unfortunately that can be bad news sometimes. <laughs> but we, we have finding that space where we, we're willing to be uncomfortable, but we're ready to give it a go. That's the mm. perfect place for growth. And mm. growth won't happen without that. Um, and so, yes, that finding that that sweet spot, I guess, what you're saying, Carolyn, about you know who do I share that with, and and then that mm. helps me set me up for the next conversation with more awareness. Mm. My three things are. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, you know, you do know, you do feel the difference between somebody that you've shared with where there is no judgment and somebody that you share oh, with, yeah. with. But you have to be open and try that thing out with with people. Um, yeah, you know that, that that's kind of a bit of a barometer, I think, of, of a relationship as well. So, yeah, I think, No, I think it also there's an important distinction for me here around self trust, and what mm. I've discovered about trust and trust is a big part of the work that we do with leaders and teams, building cultures of trust because of one thing that. Um, you know, there's all the stats with regard to Stephen Covey's book, um, The Speed of Trust, Paul Zak's book, um, The Trust Factor, you know, how trust allows things to be possible in business and in communication in a relationship. If um, mm -hmm. trust was absent, it wouldn't be possible. So um, there's this a lot of work that we do in trust. However, the importance of self-trust um, is crucial because often when it comes to trust, we're waiting for someone else to behave a certain way so that we will change how we are or that we'll be more open. We think mm. that if they'll be a certain way, we can trust them more. But that we're, that means we're giving our power away to other people and mm. we're putting the load on them to be a certain way so that we can feel a space of trust. So mm. I think this is one area where, you know, I like to stretch Brene Brown's work and Simon Sinek's works a little bit. I'm not sure that they go far enough, or at least in the what I've read of their work, that there's this element of self-trust that's critical because if I come with that deep anchor of self-trust, then I'm not so dependent on you to behave a certain way for me to feel like I can be confident enough to share something or to speak something mm. or set a boundary or speak what I need in that moment. Mm. I think that's really critical. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, let's just uh, give a shout out, Poonam, Yashdeep, Amit, Nidhi. Thank you very much, Neha. Saying well said, Karen. Uh, absolutely, we got a question. We'll we'll take that question in a in a bit, Amit. Um, 
I think one of one of the things is that you know when when, when I'm there to build a network uh, or a tribe who supports my goal. Yeah. What are some of the your observation of what really stops us? You know, is is it only um, you know our emotions, or is it something else that also kind of stops us to to really open up and really really build start that building that process? I know it it may not be a straight one week short course that you can build a supportive <laughs> tribe. You know, but yeah. but what are what are some of some of the steps or some of the thinking that people can start to do now or amend some of those thinking that people are doing right now to to help them because you know in career specifically you know it's it's the it's the deeper connection that you build with your with your network can yeah. help you to scale the heights that you're looking at in your in your career what are yeah. your thoughts on that yeah thank you the people that i really respect um who i think um i look up to in building tribes and building connections are people who are really out to serve mm -hmm. and you know are really interested in um what the world of that person that they're wanting to connect with and how can they support and support them in their dream and what they're out to achieve <clears throat> excuse me so i find that um uh, and you know if it's genuine so i find that um that's something that i'm always learning for myself as well and and that, but that requires us to, we can only give from a full cup. And so part of what I've learned along the way is when we want to connect or, or contribute or build a community that's strong around us, we have to be taking care of ourselves so that we've got something to give. Because mm -hmm. if we don't, then we'll deplete ourselves. And for me, I burnt out, you know, a long time ago. And so it, it's kind of this push-pull between wanting to achieve and wanting to um, surround ourselves with people so that we can grow together but mm. it's no one else's responsibility to fill our cup up so self-responsibility is a big part of being able to network because mm. otherwise people will feel that there's an agenda there mm. does that make sense because we're trying to get something yeah. what are your tips around that because i think you know i guess but like that kind of emotional we, we talk about self-care a lot of a lot of the time you you know it's not not selfish to want to look after yourself and, and whatever yeah. But yeah what are your tips around that kind of emotional self-care what do you help people with you know in, in that kind of um in that kind of realm um so my things can be so it's all in the bucket of permission to feel right so that all of the emotions from anger and frustration and hopelessness and despair and upset and joy and passion and vitality and all of those things equally um so how do we express that is we because energy emotions is energy in motion so it needs mm. movement there's a beautiful article i can't remember the person's name now um have a business review article on the fact that most um, emotions need to be able to move through so that we can learn from them because under the emotion there's a learning and mm. so, you know, I'm a big advocate for, uh, I might be punching a punching bag or getting out <laughs> of the night. I, what I do is I swim in cold water. That really helps me and my clarity and my emotions. mad people that have been down in the bay, have you? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a real, so I think emotion is a real physical thing. So, yeah. you know, and it could be dance or it could be um, exercise, you know, um, whatever 
journaling and, uh, is something that I also encourage and meditation absolutely is um, something that's a, a non-negotiable in the work that I do with leaders. But that's when we're highly sort of stressed, sitting down to meditate is the last thing that our mind is going to do. So if we can get out and, you know, spend some energy, that can help us move through as well. Um, you know, I, I heard that there's some screaming rooms or um, <laughs> that have been um, started up, which I've done a lot of that um, kind of thrashing it out, screaming sort of stuff in retreats I've done years ago. So I'm an advocate of that as well in a healthy way, so in a supportive environment. So I don't know if that was the answer you're looking for, Carolyn, but um, those are the things that I advocate for. Yeah. It's funny that you say about um, cold water. I've, I've, for some weird reason, I'm determined to go for a swim down at the bay because yeah. I, ju I just instinctively I think it would just be something good to do and I'm not sure why. So it just Totally is. I promise you. It's, <laughs> I was there this morning and just come out feeling like a beautiful connection with nature, obviously, and once yeah. you've been in and out and then just invincibility of soul and spirit. So anything that really connects for you that you're drawn to you know some people it's about creativity and art and expression so whatever allows you to move that energy through mm. Mm. yeah excellent now uh, we'll probably Amit now take your question so Amit's question is during your programs that you do Karen uh, yeah. what are some of the biggest challenges you face from the people who attend these uh, sessions what are some of the things that mm. they throw at you and say nah yeah whatever you know what, what do you think <laughs> yeah are some of the biggest there's challenges plenty of that. there's plenty of that um it's an interesting question so thank you for the question um so there's a range when i'm working one-on-one -on -one with leaders um the things that come up are when we're getting in our own way and so we're, we can feel a breakthrough coming but it's becoming really uncomfortable to face something in ourselves. And that might be from the past or the fear of the future. And, or it might be a pattern that we're repeating in our mind, our thought patterns or behavioral patterns, and we're frustrated, but we're frightened to change. So that can be something that comes up uh, when I'm doing the one-on-one -on -one work in teams and when we're doing group programs. Sometimes some of the things that can come up are people um, haven't actually chosen to be there themselves. And so that can be a challenge one of the things that I do and I invest heavily in and have over the years is being able to build rapport very quickly. And so that, you know, often I share a lot of my failures and a lot of my learnings to let people know that it's okay and safe to be human. And when people feel that way, often they'll, they'll buy in or want to lean into the conversation because they feel it's safe to, to just be however they are. So those are a couple of things that I come up against. Sometimes, um, you know, one, I use two distinctions around listening. Um, when I first meet with teams, sometimes we can listen to someone who's running a program like this is interesting entertainment or no, I don't agree or I do agree and through our filters of, you know, our value systems or our beliefs, but that can only get us so far. And so I really encourage and invite people to lean into a listening of, you know, taking the filters off or the blinkers off and just trying it on like a jacket and just seeing if, if it's something that could add value. So sometimes our opinions can get in the way of us learning something new. So navigating mm -hmm. through that is sometimes part of my work as well. Mm -hmm. mm. 
I like that analogy. You know, I think me and Carolyn have shared that previously. Is that a lot of the time in my training program, I say to people that whatever I say is actually freely available on YouTube. So yeah. what I say is is actually of no value, but how I say that is of the tremendous value. And who's Beautiful. saying it is of tremendous value. And that's how you know I was listening to a few Indian folk art storytellers, and that's what they say. You know, one of the incidents is. Uh, you know, because traditionally in India, back in you know centuries back, people used to travel from villages to villages to share stories of courage, hope, or oh. optimism, or compassion, right? And these stories yeah. tellers are are traditionally comes from families. And there's a storyteller rocked up into a village and say, "Oh, do you want to hear X story and Y story?" Everybody said, "Nah, nah, nah. I don't want to hear that. I've heard it." And then he then he says, "Well, you've heard it." But not from me, oh. and that was a very powerful statement oh. that you may have heard it, but not from me. And I think, I think that is uh, that is very profound. That you know, try it out, and that's another thing that I like. What you said is try it out. And if yeah. it doesn't work, put it away. That's fine. No problem with it. But try it out. So that's yeah. what I think. Uh, you know, it, it's incredibly important. If we can then move on to communication a little bit, because I think um, you know, I think when we were. Uh, you know, working out how do we want to have a chat, and I think I said, look, phone would be much better rather than zooming because, you know, it's like a zoom gloom and zoom fatigue, you know, for <laughs> yeah. you know. So, so what are your kind of you know tips in the online world that we find? I don't know whether how how quickly we are going to go offline or face to face. It might be a while. Yes. What are your tips around communication to one to one or one to many? Yeah, um, yeah. I think you're right, Nation. It's we're hearing about Zoom fatigue or video conferencing fatigue, and um, actually, I just put a um, just recorded a series of helping uh, videos to help leaders engage through the lens. So um, I'll be putting them up on the LinkedIn uh, my LinkedIn page, so people can get those there as well. Uh, I think so. Actually, one thing that I learned from Landmark when I studied. Um, that that work of ontology, which is the study of being human, uh, for people who haven't done that program or those programs, is about generating from the inside out, and so I think that's really important. And the way that I describe it is bringing the party with you, and so rather than everyone, no one wants to come to a party and have to start the energy. Everybody loves to come to a party and you know oh, it's already happening and you know this is fun and you know I feel comfortable. The lights are already dim. I don't feel like I'm in the middle of the room. So. You know, everyone wants to come to a party that's already got some energy going. So for me, for leaders, it's about you need to be generating from the inside out like you're bringing the party with you so that you're really engaged in what you're sharing. And and then if you're engaged with the people, are more likely to lean in and also take things less personally. So an executive shared with me recently that you know, he'd invested a lot in sharing a message in a meeting, an online meeting, and he was really frustrated that he couldn't tell whether his people were engaged or not. You know, he kind of just heard crickets at the end of the meeting. And were they? Did they get it? Were they going to act on it? Was it going to shift their mindset or behaviour? Were they aligned with it? He couldn't really tell. And so, you know, for him, it was I wanted to share with him about don't take those things personally because there are people who can do a lot of things at once who would like to be distracted while they're online that actually means they're processing the information so mm. we've got to take we've got to take things a little bit less personally online because we're all looking for the signs of are they listening you know what where is their attention so it's 
we need to be careful about, as you said before, Carolyn, the stories we're telling ourselves about the feedback we're getting from faces. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things. Does that help, Nash? Well, it does. I like the analogy of bring your party along because I think that yeah. just tells people that you don't rely. You don't rely on everybody, anybody else to mm. pull the energy. You bring it the energy. Yeah. At the same time, I think when you do that, you've left that you left fulfilled that you have done the best that you could. You yes. don't want to leave with, oh God, I could have done that. Oh God, I should have done that. But it's more to yeah. do with who you are rather than what do you show on the screen. Uh, so yeah. that's really great. Uh, Caroline, uh, any other thing that you wanted to ask? Yeah, I, I just wanted to go back um, to, uh, again, you know, communicating and listening. Because I think, you know, it's funny we, we talk about Zoom. And if yes. you're uh, in a Zoom interview, if you're not listening, it's, I feel like you can, it's kind of what you're doing on the other end is kind of magnified. So yeah. in terms of, um, being a good listener what are your tips around that for people being you know being in the moment and being a good listener and receiving a message from people yeah i think it's one of my favorite topics is listening and i think yeah. if that's the only thing we did really well and focused on that then we'd be amazing leaders and team members and job seekers um mm. because the quality of our listening really determines for me the quality of our questions and then mm. the quality of the conversation and so you know with, through the work that i've done and studied i was um, studied listening for about two to three years and it was one of the best things i ever did because it serves me every day mm. and so the key the key thing for listening first as you would both know is to be present to be in this moment and that is actually like being at the gym all the time or going for a run all day because it's an active conscious choice because every moment uh, we're wanting to zone out every mm. moment we've got so much information coming at us that our brain wants to zone out and just take a break and so listening is a, a, a very active engagement um, mm. because it's about choosing presence each moment mm. and if we're willing to do that then we will hear things that we wouldn't otherwise hear. So that's the first thing, being present. And the second thing, and it's not easy, it does take a lot of practice. And the second thing is to allow our questions to come from that listening. So mm -hmm. if I'm seeking a job or I'm being interviewed, then yes, I'm going to have a lot of information going in and have a lot of things prepared. But if I'm willing to be in the moment with that interviewer or the person I'm preparing with, then I'm going to be hearing things that will spark the curiosity in me, which will spark a question that that person will be really delighted by because it's come from that co-creation uh, co together. Mm. That is going to sell you more than having your list of things that you need to get across. Mm. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. those two things I think are really important to start with. Yeah. I think it's that thing about sort of, you know, just if I can paraphrase, it's like sort of settling into the moment and just being intent on understanding what that other person is saying trying to you know remove other um distractions but i love what you say about it being a co-creation i think that's a great great way because i think you know we always worry about the impression like sounding perfect but if you're a great listener people know if you're a great listener as soon as i started to embrace my realness and imper imperfections um <laughs> life just got so much easier and more fun. Um, so I'm an advocate for helping people to do that sooner rather than later. And yeah. for sure, you know, and 
when um, that when people are listening to whether it's their partner or their children or leaders with teams that's the greatest gift that we can give someone isn't it to be really listening and, and when i'm working with leaders and teams and being coaches for each other it's listening to the unsaid listening to the body language listening to what's in the space when i'm coaching i listen i listen with all of me and more so you're taking in the you're calibrating all the time so that's kind of like the next level of listening as well yeah Excellent. Karen, look, you know, I, I don't think so we've got any questions from the audience. Amit is saying uh, he agrees listening is the most important thing and most people hear but not listen. And the worst yeah. is they do not know the difference between them. So thank you, Amit, yeah. for your participation. And um, yeah, before before we wrap up, are there any other tips that you can give people to to manage this COVID-19 circumstances, whether there's a, whether they've lost a job or whether they are working, but they are kind of, you know, feeling that heat and anything else that you are observing in the world out, you know, that yeah. might help uh, one of our listeners? I think we need to lean on each other more at the moment and feel safe and okay to do that. Um, you know, choosing the people that we want to do that with. I think that we won't get through this in a healthy way if we try to survive it. And mm -hmm. that survival state is something that we're used to defaulting to um, because we don't know how to move through our emotions. So if we can, um, I really would love to see people just reaching out and leaning on each other a little bit more, uh, giving themselves permission to be real. And something that I heard a while back, I can't remember from who, but let's lower the bar of our expectations on each other a little bit. And so one thing I'm practicing for myself when I go into my own head sometimes for the day is if I just achieve one small thing today and I create one thing today, then that's a great day. And mm. so those are the two things that I'm telling myself over and over, um, because cre when we're creating rather than consuming, then it's mm. a different experience of ourselves, mm. whether that's a piece of writing or um, a, a photo or a video or, or a, a beautiful meal or something with the kids. If we're creating something, one thing every day, that will shift our state, our mental state and our emotional state, and then achieve mm. one thing whatever that looks like, it's clean the car or, you know, weed the lawn or something like that. So I think those two things are important. Excellent. Uh, well, look, Karen, thank you very much. You know, you've been very generous in sharing and, you know, you've been very, you know, open to talk about the things that works in the world outside. Uh, you know, that's what we are looking at. We are looking at not a not an ideal conversation, but real conversation that you could have with people. And yeah. what I would take is away from this is to try it out, you know, wear the shirt. If it doesn't fit, then yeah. it's fine. You can change it and you know, practice that because, you know, because, you know, as all of us know, I can't learn swimming by watching a YouTube video. I need to go and really <laughs> keep my feet into that, right? And, and yeah. Caroline knows my swimming record, which is nothing. Um, <laughs> so, so. Yeah. <laughs> It's a long story. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is, it is, yes. So, Caroline, anything you want to leave us Sorry. with? Um, no, but uh, thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. It's been absolutely insightful to have you here. And I know everybody would have got a lot of value out of your perspectives. And, um, yeah, keep up, the, keep up the great work. Really happy to be here. Thank you so much for the conversation. I would encourage people to 
gives themselves some space, be kind and generous with themselves and each other. And um, if you're listening today, take some time to really connect with your heart, just through some breathing into your heart, that will help you bring your kind of stress state a little bit down. And then you'll come up with some new ideas and how to go about your job seeking. So I hope it's been helpful for you today. And thanks for allowing me into your space today. Thank you, Karen. And tomorrow we will be back. Yes, go ahead, KB. I was just saying, no, you, you go. Good. Yeah, so tomorrow we'll be back again 3 p.m. And tomorrow we are talking about identity and job loss and oh. what it does to us. It's going to be a fascinating discussion tomorrow. We'll be joined by two guests, right, KB? One is a career yep. practitioner and another is um, a psych or psychologist or what they also, in Australia, oh. they like to call them shrink also. So we'll be joined <laughs> by them. Uh, but, but it's going to be fascinating. It's, it's more to do with giving us an understanding of what happens when you lose a job especially when you're currently job seeking so do tune in tomorrow 3 p.m yeah. uh you know on my linkedin profile and we will also put our youtube link there uh please go and subscribe to that make us global superstar and we will share the profit <laughs> that we make out of the ads that we get. <laughs> <laughs> You're already superstars. So well done. <laughs> All right, everyone. See you later tomorrow. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, KB. Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me. Bye, Nash. Bye, Bye Bye. Podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au And if you have got a question about today's episode, or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.